Uh, so today what we're going to do is uh, the first kind of habit of grace that um, John kind of prepared us for last Sunday. This is the first one that we're going to do, which is scripture reading. So uh, before we get into what I wanted to talk about this morning, that we'd open with a word of prayer. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to um, gather and think about the word that you've written for us. Lord, and we pray that you would help us to understand better what your word is and what our relationship is to your word and how we can better benefit from it and how we can glorify you through your word. So we just thank you, Lord, for giving us this time and most importantly, your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So as I said, uh, the topic that we're going to talk about today is scripture reading. You guys probably can't see this over here, can you? Can you see the TV? You can't? Okay. Um, yeah, so the, the kind of the theme verse, you probably definitely can't see that unless you have really, oh wow, you guys have, you guys have better eyes than I do, I can't really see it from here. The blue and the white doesn't work very well. But the theme verse is, uh, John seventeen seven. sanctify them in truth, your word is truth. And so that's kind of the, the entry point I wanted to take into talking about, um, the Bible, scripture today, is that it's, it's the, the word of God and it actually does something. It, it, John's saying here that the Word of God can sanctify us, and so we'll talk a little bit more about that, but that's kind of the theme verse. And so what I wanted to do this morning is two, two things. I want to understand our motivation. Why should we read the Bible? And then once we understand our motivation, I want to consider our method. What is, what's the method we should use to read the Bible? What are some things we should use? The first thing is why read the Bible? And then second thing is, how, how should we do it? And so there's a few things we'll talk about under each point. So in, in regards to the method, or excuse me, in regards to the motivation for reading the Bible, the first thing I wanted to talk about is how it's kind of, uh, the word, uh, this might not be the best word, but it's multifaceted. So uh, I was hoping some of the youngs would be here. But um, so I do the, the youth here, and we have, some of you, most of us have probably met the youngs. They take up like a whole pew, and they're like also most, they're most of the kids in youth group. And so I got, I've, I've been waiting to use this illustration that Beatrix Young gave one day. Um, it was so cool. We were praying, and we give, the first thing we do is praise, praises. Before we do prayer requests, we say, what are some things we should be thankful for? Beatrix Young said, uh, I, I got this Lego set. And I put together the little Lego, I can't remember what it was, the little Lego thing and made a little monster or whatever. And then I figured out there's like three other configurations I can use the Legos for. So I make the little monster and then you can take it apart and make a dinosaur and then a horse or whatever it was. And um, first of all, I just thought that was the cutest like praise report. Like she's thanking God for that. Like how ungrateful does that make me when that's what someone's thanking God for? But uh, the other thing I thought about it is that it's, it's a perfect picture of what the Bible is. So the Bible can, we can read a passage, and it can do something to us, it can affect us, it can change us. And then a year later, or a month later, or whenever, we can come back to that same exact passage, and it can do something completely different. It's like a whole other thing, a whole different interaction we're having with the Bible. And so that's the first thing I want to talk about in terms of, of our motivation for reading the Bible is that you can read the Bible through cover to cover and then start right back over the next day and, and right when you get back to Genesis 1, it can do a whole different thing to you. And the reason for that is because, like it says in, in Hebrews 
chapter 4, the Word of God is living and active. So it's not just a, 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 book, a dead book, but it's living and active. And so this is a quote that kind of hits it. So Beatrix Young is like the, the everyday person's analogy of the, the little Lego thing. This is like, if you want an academic version of that, that I, always, I like this one too. This is a guy named Gerhardus Voss. I think he's buried in the cemetery, wherever the cemetery is that way. I think he's buried over there. Uh, he taught at Westman, or Princeton and stuff like that. So he says, in the Bible, there is an organization finer, more complicated, more exquisite than even the texture of muscles and nerves and brain in the human, human body. That its various parts are interwoven and correlated in the subtlest ma ma manner, each part sensitive to the impressions received from all the others, perfect in itself and yet dependent upon the rest, while in those parts and through them all throbs as a unifying principle, the spirit of God's living truth. It's a, it's a beautiful, like I really had, I had to read that quote like 10 times to get like most of what's going on. I still don't understand everything he's talking about. But he's giving like the picture of like a human body, like all the different parts of the body, uh, all the different parts of scripture when you're thinking about like, the Pentateuch, Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus, or the prophetical books, or the, the poetic books like Psalms, or the New Testament, or apocalyptic stuff like Revelation. He's saying they're all interwoven together and they depend on one another like a human body and they interact with one another and support one another. So you can read something in Genesis and then go read something in Revelation and see, oh, the thing I read in Revelation helps me better understand Genesis. It's all interconnected. And so that just, that's another kind of motivating thing for us to read in the Bible is it, it, this is a really, it's like studying the human body. I mean, people have been studying the human body forever since we, forever. And we're still, I was just reading the other day, this guy was talking about neuroscience and how technology affects our brains. And he's like, yeah, we don't really understand like what's going on, what's, how a synapse fires with a neuron and all this kind of stuff. They're like, we can kind of, we put words to it, but we don't really know what's going on. And that's, that's our brain, which we've been studying forever. Like there's, it's very complex and intricate, and that's the same thing with the Bible. The Bible's got a lot going on, and so we can never exhaust the depths of it. Okay, so I want to look at a couple verses that will help us um, understand some more about our motivation for why we should read the Bible. And so w when I'm talking about why we should read the Bible, my... That means different things to different people. Some of us might think, like, read the Bible once a week on Sunday, and other people might be thinking, read the Bible three times a day. I'm, I'm talking more of, like, reading the Bible all the time, like, on a daily basis. Here's, here's the motivation for why, we should be, why, why it would benefit us to read the Bible every day. So this is kind of a classic verse about the Bible. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. It says, But as for you... Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And th so this text is... It's saying a lot of stuff about the Bible. But a few things that we notice is that he says, all scripture is breathed out by God, right here. All scripture is breathed out. So he's saying everything in the whole Bible 
has been has come out of the mouth of God. And so so what does that mean? Well, it's breathed out by God, so therefore it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So these are these are things that the Bible can do for us. So, you know, when you look at uh, something like teaching, like we we all want to learn stuff about life. We all want to learn uh, how why the world works the way it does. We want to learn more about God, why we do the things we want to do. And the Bible can can teach us about all of those things. The Bible's kind of like a like a light for our path and as we're journeying through life, it can teach us about where we should go, why we're going the way we're going, why people are going the way they're going, why the world looks the way it does. Those kind of answers and teaching us about ourselves are in the Bible. Okay, so here's another verse. I want to, I just want to go through a few verses to kind of open our eyes to what the Bible has to offer. So this is one, teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. Okay, the next one is John 20, 31. It says, these are written, and so this is, this is John talking about his gospel. He says, these are written, meaning the words that I just wrote down in the gospel of John. He's saying, this is why I wrote the gospel of John. So these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John's saying that the reason he wrote John is that we can have life in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, I think one of the, the, the number one things people want when you like poll people and say, like, what is, what is it, the thing that's most important to you? I think the first thing is money, typically. And the second thing is health. That's the top two things people are concerned about, is money and health. I want it, and it just kind of makes sense if you think about it. It's like, what do I worry about most of the time? It's, you know, how am I going to pay the bills, and, you know, how, what's my health look like? And so health, the second thing we're worried about, and really money is tied in with that too. The reason that we're concerned about those things is life. We all like our lives, and we want to continue living our lives. And John is saying, the reason I wrote this book so that you can have life. And so I, I don't, this is probably the best motivation, I think, for reading the Bible. The thing that we all want, life, is, is offered to us through the Bible. Obviously, the way that it's offered to us is really different from the type of life that the, that the world is offering. But the fact of the matter is, is that the Bible is saying, hey, if, if you want to have a real true life, a life, a tr- a life that's made the way that it, it was supposed to be. So in, in Genesis, uh, Adam and Eve were made for relationship with God. That was true life. True life, when, when God made man, he said, true life is for you to be in a connection, in a relationship with me. That is, that's the definition of life as God created it. And so if we want to have real true life, the Bible's saying, well, it's in the pages of the Bible. You should read the Bible to understand how, how you can have true life. Okay, let me see how many of these we got. Let's do, we, we got a couple more. So the first thing is training. It can teach us how, it can teach us about life. And then the second thing is it can teach us how to have life. Okay, and let's look at this verse from Romans 15, verse 4. It says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. So it's not only for, the Bible doesn't only teach us about life and train us how to understand what's going on. It doesn't only give us life in God, but it also gives us hope 
So that's another incredible, I mean, if you just think about it for a little bit, like how completely hopeless the world is today and how the things that we place our hope in are constantly just crumbling before us and how people are constant, I mean, literally all the time, all day long, stressed out and anxious and struggling with despair. Like that's the world that we live in. It's, it's everywhere and it's not just outside you know it's it's it affects us as christians too it's everywhere this sense of hopelessness this sense of despair this sense of kind of lo- a lost kind of meandering through life like what's the point of all of this that's everywhere and romans says that the the bible offers us hope and so it's it's ironic that we as christians struggle as much as we do with hopelessness when we have in our laps, the living word of God that gives us hope. So it doesn't, what I'm not saying is, oh, just read your Bible every day and you'll never be hopeless and you'll never struggle with depression. Or I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is our, our best chance at being hopeful people who look to the future and say, I have hope, our best chance for being that kind of person is in the pages of Scripture, reading Scripture every day and absorbing that hope for our lives. Okay. And here's the last thing. Psalm 119. By the way, um, Psalm 119 is a pretty cool psalm. It's a unique one. It's the longest, as many of us know. Super long. I, I do like a Bible through the year program. And so every time I come to Psalm 119, I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be a long morning because it's like this really long psalm. So, but it's a really cool psalm because it's all about the Bible. The whole, the biggest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119, is all about Scripture. It's all about the Bible. So here's, here's just one line from that big chapter. It says, The unfolding of your words gives light. It un- imparts understanding to the simple. I remember when I was a kid, I would, uh, I would read the Bible. I mean, I was like 12 or 13, and I'd just sit there by myself and read the Bible. And I read stuff like this in Psalms and Proverbs, and I was like, wow, that's so cool. Like, the Bible says... If I want to be smart, all I need to do is is read the unfolding of your words. Like that, that will make me smarter. It'll give me wisdom to read the Bible. And so I just expected that. I'd sit there and read it. I'm like, I'm going to get smarter today. I'm going to be wiser because I'm sitting here reading God's word. And one of the sad things about studying the Bible more more in an academic setting is you kind of lose that that hope in the Bible and that trust and that faith in it. You start to kind of analyze it. And the Lord's convicted me lately of, of, of not thinking the way I used to think about the Bible when I was a kid. I should have that same hope. I should look at the Bible and say, this is going to make me wiser. And, so, and that's the promise of, of the Bible. So that's another motivating factor to coming to the Bible is that I don't, I don't think anybody would say, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm wise enough. I don't need to be any wiser. You know, the, the, the one person who would say, yeah, I'm wise enough. I don't need to be wiser is by definition probably the least wise person in the room, right? So we all know we need, we need to be wiser, and the Bible says, well, if you want to be wiser, read the Bible. So those are a few um, motivations for reading the Bible from the Bible. Let me recap those real quick. The first one was from 2 Timothy, and it's, it's saying that the Bible is breathed out by God, and it's good for instruction and for teaching and reproof, so it can teach us things. John 20 says that the Bible's written so that we can have life, so it can teach us things, it can give us life. And then Romans 15 says it can give us hope, so it can teach us things, give us life, give us hope. 
and then Psalm says that it gives us wisdom. So there's, if that, if if those things that the Bible offers you, life and wisdom and hope and teaching and understanding, if those things don't motivate you to read the Bible, then I, I don't, I don't know how to motivate you because that's to me like that's what what else is there? You know, eternal life and wisdom and hope. I mean, that's it's pretty great, pretty great deal. So that's that's what the Bible has to offer. So. If we see those things and we say, yeah, I want those things, and I, and I believe that the way to get those things is from the Bible, then the question is, okay, well, what, how should we read the Bible? So that's what I want to spend the rest of our time this morning talking about, is how, how, do, we, how do we get all those things the Bible's offering? The Bible's offering me life, okay, so how do I get life out of the Bible? Do I just sit there and read it and then close it and go on with my day? Like, what, what does that look like? So let's talk about how we can get those things from the Bible. Um, I should, before we get there, I should say this is definitely not an exhaustive list of things, of, of ways that we can get this from the Bible. This is just kind of, I think I've got like five things to talk about. This is, these are like the five things that kind of come to my mind as of ways that we can extract, or extract probably not the best word, benefit from reading from the Bible, you might be able to think of 15 ways, and that's great. This is definitely not everything. If you can think of other things that help you do that, then do that. I just think that these are five helpful things. So the method. We've talked about the motivation. What's the method for reading the Bible? The first thing I want to talk about, and this is, I think this is the most important, is consistency. Reading the Bible on a regular basis. And so there's a lot of verses about this, but this is, I think, one of the, well, this is a good one. This is Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 9, talking about consistency. Did I skip one? I did skip one. Thank you. Uh, so let's read Psalm 1 and 2. This is more a more famous one. A lot of us memorize this. It's the beginning of the whole book of Psalms. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and law basically just means Bible. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on this law he meditates day and night. So the blessed man is the man who has the law of God, and he's meditating on it, thinking about it day and night. So, that, yeah, I mean, that's real simple. I don't even think I need to explain that. That's, that's saying, you know, we're, we're in the Word all the time, not, not just once a day, but day and night. Okay, here's one more about that. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 to 9. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So this is God telling Israel, this is what you should do with my Word, the Bible. This is what you should do. It shall be on your heart. You shall teach these words diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That is like the, the most full expression that the Bible could possibly give of be saturated in the Bible all the time. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh be saturated in the Bible all the time. That, that, that's, the, the Bible couldn't say that in more emphatic terms. I mean, it's literally like when you sit, when you stand, when you lay down, when you eat, when you're not eating, when you're you know, walking, when you're running, no matter what you're doing, at all times of the day, meditate on the Bible. I, I've, 
been like binging these things on Netflix where they they show like these Orthodox Jewish communities. Mm-hmm. Some of us, and so they do this thing where they go in these doors and they, like every time they go through a door in their house, they go like, and then they touch this thing. I'm like, what are they doing? There's like this little thing on the door. Mezuzah. What's that? A mezuzah. Mezuzah. Is that is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. What is that? Like a little scripture? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I figured. <laughs> But so that's what they're doing. They're reading this verse and they're taking it literally, like put it on the doorpost. And so they're they're kind of physically doing something that we should be doing spiritually. But that's a that for them that's a, a a visual representation of the way that they should treat the Bible. Like every time I go through a door in my house, I should be thinking about God's word. There was this Puritan guy who wrote this book, and um, this is in like the 1600s, and it was written just for like his whole congregation. And it was a book that said, like, here's how to live your day. And it was like a 600-page book. And it literally started from, like, waking up in the morning to going to bed at night and, like, what you should be thinking about. So it's literally like wake up and rise from bed and think about how Jesus rose from the grave. And then put your clothes on and think about how Adam and Eve sinned and they needed clothes to cover their shame. And it was, like, like, literally all day long. Then go eat breakfast and think about how God is your true food. And so, I mean, that's, that's pretty, pretty heavy-duty stuff that probably wouldn't sell very well today. But that was the thinking, right? It was like we should be, we should be absorbed with God's Word all the time. And so that's, that's biblical. You know, that's what the Bible says. That's how we should treat the Bible. And so I think this is the most important thing is consistency, being in the Word, whatever that looks like for us as individuals, being in the Word all the time. When I was... Uh, in my undergrad, I went to a school called Biola in California, getting my bachelor's in the Bible. And so we would talk about this all the time, me and my friends and other Bible, Bible major students. Like, what's, you know, what's your method for growing closer to God? What does your daily Bible time look like? Like, how does this all work? And I was, at the same time, I was in the Army. So I was always that one guy who is like, no one really wanted to hear what I had to say because I was saying it like such a like mean way. And the Lord has like really refined that from me. But I was always that guy who's like, you've got to read your Bible every day. You've got to wake up early and read it and then read it before bed. And if you're not doing that, like you're just failing. And I was very like regimented and hard about it. And people would push back against that all the time and say like, that's, that's legalism. That's not freedom in Christ. And so I kind of went, I, I heard that, and I was like, oh, man, and I am being legalistic like a Pharisee. And I went to the opposite extreme, and I was like, okay, well, it's just growing close to God just looks how ever you want it to look. And so I remember I had a friend who said, he was also in the Army, and he said, yeah, you know, the way I grow close with the Lord is being in charge in the Army. When I'm put in a leadership position, that's when I feel closest with God. And so I don't really, like, read my Bible that much. I go to church, but, like, that, that's kind of my spiritual practice is being in charge. And I remember thinking to myself, like, that's really weird because every time you're in charge, like, you're really mean and no one wants to be around you. And, like, why is that the one time you're close with God? And so I kind of, in my overreaction, I started to realize, well, it's, it's not like you, we have to find a balance. It's not like you need to read your Bible every day or you're sinning or you're not a Christian. That's too far. But on the other hand, it's not, well, just, you know, do whatever, you know, if you, if sitting on the couch watching Netflix and eating potato chips is the way that you grow close with God, then just do it. That's fine, you know. It's, it's like we have to find the balance. That is, sitting on the couch watching Netflix is not the living and active word of God. 
right? And so um, consistency is important, but understanding that it's, it's a, the thing that I didn't understand when I was younger that I think I get now is that consistency is just as important, but it's not a consistency to earn favor with God. It's not like we sit down and we read our Bible every morning or whenever we do it in order to like get something from God. It's, it's actually, it's, it's a lot more like eating food, right? So, you know, I'm not being legalistic if I tell my kids, like, you need to eat food every single day. Eat food every day. Do it every day. I don't care if you don't feel like it. Eat the food every day. That's exactly how I sound at dinner every night with my kids. <laughs> eat this food. You need to eat this food. I'm not telling them, like, you need to do some, something that's going to impress me or you need to do something to earn my love or I'm not going to love you if you don't eat this food. What I'm saying is you need to eat food. It's good for you. And so on a physical level, that's exactly what the Bible is. So I, now I don't feel, at first I felt bad telling, saying, like, you need to read the Bible every day. I was like, oh, man, I'm being legalistic. Now I realize I can say that, but I need to say it in a different way. So now I don't feel bad saying, you have to read the Bible every day. If you want to spiritually grow, you have to. There's no other way to spiritually grow than reading the Bible every day. But God still loves you if you don't. You're not earning anything by reading the Bible every day. You're not impressing anybody. You're not impressing God. It's, it's, it's a spiritual nourishment. You're feeding yourself. So, yes, you have to read the Bible every day if you want to spiritually grow, but God's going to love you whether you do or not. So that's the best way that I can put uh, the need for consistent scriptural reading. It's got to be every day. I'm, I'm just convinced of that. I think... Um, you know, there's probably unique spiritual people who can read the Bible like once a week and spiritually grow. But I think for 99.9% of people, definitely myself included, if you want to spiritually grow, it's got to be a daily thing. You have to be reading the Bible every single day. And one of the reasons for that, there's a lot of things we could say why that is. One of the reasons for that is because we're sheep. We all go astray. We all forget. We get gospel amnesia. You know, it's, 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 I mean, food is such a perfect picture of the Bible, you know, like you eat food and then hours later you're hungry. Like if you stop and think about that for a minute, it's like, that's kind of weird, you know, like some animals can eat food and be fine for like three days, but us, it's like three hours and you're starving again. Like what's up with that? That's exactly the same thing with the Bible. It can feed us and it spiritually nourishes us, but like hours later, you're, that actually just happened to me on, on Saturday. I was praying reading the Bible, I was reading about the prodigal son, and I felt like the Lord was telling me, like, watch out, don't be, don't be like the prodigal brother. So the prodigal son, you know, he goes out, he sins, and then he comes back, and the father's like, hey, I'm welcoming you back, I'm, I'm forgiving you. And the prodigal, the brother, is kind of standing there like, oh, he's, he's a sinner, I've been good this whole time, and I've, I've stayed with you, you know, you shouldn't give him this fatted calf in the feast, don't do that. I'm, I'm the good one, and I read that, and I felt like the Lord was saying, like, watch out. Don't be that guy. Don't be the guy who's looking at people who aren't getting it right in their Christian faith and look down on them because that was where you were. Don't, don't look down on them. And that was like a 9 on Saturday, and then I went to go do something at 10, and I, and I had that thought about someone. I was like, oh, look at this guy. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. And it's like, man, that was like an hour ago. God was like, watch out. Don't do this. And then an hour later, I'm like, look at this guy over here. Well, he's not. And then instantly I was like, oh man, I'm doing it. You know? And, and so the Bible, the Lord used the Bible to humble me, but it's just a picture of how quickly we can take that spiritual food and then 
soon thereafter be spiritually impoverished. And so I had to, in that moment, I had to feed the on the word. I'm like, what, what does God's word say about the prodigal son? And how does that affect my life? How does that affect me? So it's got to be consistent. We have to be consistent in our Bible reading. That's the first thing. The second thing is, I don't have a verse for this, uh, although I probably could have come up with some. Um, the second thing is memorization, Bible memorization. Oh, that's what I was going to do. Um, I was going to show a Bible app. I forgot to put that up here. Uh, but Bible memorization is a great way to get the Bible into our lives consistently. So we can sit down and read the Bible, and, and I think it's got to be every day. But another thing that we can do to help us with that is to memorize the Bible, because sometimes we can't sit there and read it. And just like you know, me reading on Saturday morning and then an hour later forgetting, if I have the Bible memorized, I can be kind of reminding myself of that. And that, that actually kind of goes along with this verse in Deuteronomy. Like, when are we supposed to be, um, what does it say? Uh, when are we supposed to be binding the words of God? Bind them as a sign on your hand. They should be as frontlets between your eyes. Write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. A great way to do that, to like have the, it's like almost like it's like stuck on my forehead. One good way to do that is to memorize the Bible. Always have a couple verses that you can just kind of recite to yourself. Another cool thing about memorization is if you're struggling with something, if you're struggling with anxiety or a certain sin or, you know, you're having relational problems with someone, you can find a verse that speaks to that. You can memorize that verse. And then when, you, when you're hit with that, like let's say it's anxiety, when you're hit with that anxious feeling, you can take that verse out. Like, uh, I, so I do that because I get anxious. And I, one of the verses that I use that I'm probably going to forget now that I'm trying to say in front of everyone <laughs> is, is uh, Isaiah 41, where uh, God says, you know, uh, be not afraid. I will hold you up with my righteous right hand. And, you know, I will take care of you. I will sustain you. I will strengthen you. And so I just, if I'm feeling anxious, I, I recite that verse to myself. So the, that Bible memorization, it can help me when I'm in having, being anxious or whatever, or trying, struggling against sin. Uh, but it's also helping me grow because I'm constantly getting the word of God through through what I've memorized. And so now it's kind of like eating, you know. It's like if I sit down and have a really big meal for breakfast, I'll grow. But if I have that big meal for breakfast and then I'm continuing to eat throughout the day, I'm going to grow even more. So um, uh, if, you, if you want to try to start memorizing the Bible, you're already doing it, and you want to use an app, there's this great app. Let me see if I can show you one here. This, is, this app is amazing. This one right here, it's called Bible, Bible Memory, the Bible Memory app. Um, so this app will, uh, you can plug in your, you can plug in what verses you want to memorize, and it will uh, remind you of the verse. Once you memorize it, it will remind you of the verse doing something called spaced repetition. So when you first learn the verse, it'll say, like, the next morning, hey, type in the verse again. And you can just do the first letter of each word if you don't want to type it all. So it'll say, you know, give me the verse again a day later. And then after you do that, I'll wait, like, three days, and then a week, and then two weeks. And it spaces it out so it moves the verse from your short-term memory where you're doing it, like, you know, you could sit there and memorize a verse and say it in, like, you know, 
20 minutes and then the next day you're like I completely forgot the verse because it's in your short term memory so this app will move it from your short term memory to your long term memory by spacing the time out in between and so what that means is um, like Psalm 23 that was a, a thing I mean almost everyone everyone that grows up in church has memorized Psalm 23 myself included and I've forgotten it probably like five times I've, I've memorized it and then like years later I have no idea so now this app, it's like every th- three months, it'll remind me, hey, say Psalm 23, and now I've, I have it for life. It's been like four or five years, and I can recite Psalm 23 because it reminds me, it spaces it out. So if you're looking for an app, Bible Memory app, it's just called Bible Memory, that's really helpful. So first thing in terms of the method is we need to be consistent. One of the best ways we can be consistent is by memorizing the Bible. Um, and then here's another kind of obvious one. Um, you can do a Bible reading plan. This is really helpful for um, kind of get, understanding the whole Bible together. Like if you just um, it, if you're just kind of randomly reading sections of the Bible, or you just like oh, I feel like reading this book and then this book over here, you might not be getting the whole Bible. So one way you can get the whole Bible in a sp- specific chunk of time is by doing a Bible reading plan. This is the most famous one. It's called Robert Murray McShane. So if you're looking for a Bible plan and you don't want to just do like straight through Genesis through Revelation, uh, you can do this Bible reading plan. The benefit of this is like if you go, if you're like basically every Christian ever when it's like January 1st and you're like, I'm going to read through the Bible this year. I'm going to do four chapters a day, and then you get to Leviticus, and you're like, oh, man. <laughs> you get, like, to chapter 8, and you're like, I can't do this anymore. Because there's some hard, long stretches of the Bible where you're like, I don't even know what's happening. The benefit of this is he will say, like, okay, on January 1st, read Ezra chapter 1, and then read Acts chapter 1. And so you can kind of, like, punch in. I want to do the Bible in a year or two years or whatever, and it will break it up and say, read this verse, read a chapter from here and read a chapter from there. So it'll get you through the whole Bible in a year or two or however long you want, but you're not just marching straight through. You're getting a little bit of Old Testament, New Testament, poetry, stuff like that. So if you're looking for a Bible reading plan, this is a good one. There's a bunch of them out there. But that's another way, and this all kind of falls under being consistent, but that's another way that we can be consistent is to have a plan. You know, if, if you, uh, it's like exercise. If you're like, oh, I'm going to get in shape, like, and that's your plan. It's just like, I'm just going to start start trying harder to get in shape. I always joke around with my dad because he's been saying that for like 10 years. He's like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm really starting to think about getting in shape. And I'm like, thinking about it is not going to burn any calories, you know. Like, so you, you have to have a plan. It's like, okay, I'm going to eat, you know, I'm going to work out on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday or whatever for this long. And that's my plan. I'm going to stick to it. If you don't have a plan with exercise, it's not going to happen. If you don't have a plan with Bible reading, it's not going to happen. It might happen for a month or two, but the goal of Bible reading when we're talking about consistency is not just like a, you know, a few months or a year or a few years. The goal of Bible reading is until I die. Like this is my plan until I die. I want to read the Bible every day if I can. And so having a uh, Bible memory or a Bible reading plan can help you with that. Um, another thing that this is this is real recent that's helped me a lot that I've learned um, from this guy named Martin Lloyd-Jones. This is what he would do. Yeah, he would, uh, 
he said he would first he would do a Bible reading plan, and so he'd say like this is for preachers, not. I mean, it's a good idea for everybody, but he was talking to preachers and said, you need to read the Bible through every year. And But the other thing he would do is he'd give this plan and read through every year. But when he'd be sitting there reading, if a verse kind of jumped out at him, he would just stop and just meditate on that verse. So I'm very, like, type A, and so when I'm reading through the Bible, i got to do, like, what I'm doing right now is one chapter Old Testament and one chapter New Testament. And so if I'm, like, reading Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I'm like, oh, man, I never thought about the fact that God created the heavens, too. It's not just the earth. He created the heavens. I never even thought about that. That's amazing. God's in heaven, but he created heaven. How does that work? And I'm thinking and just being amazed at how great God is. But I'm, but I'm also thinking, i got to finish chapter 1, and then i got to go over to Matthew <laughs> chapter 1. So, I'm, And then by the time I read Genesis 1 and then read Matthew 1, I forgot about Genesis 1-1, and I'm going on something else so a great thing you can do is if that happens to you if you if you just read one verse and it just jumps out at you just sit with that verse and allow the holy spirit to speak to you through that verse and this is this is where the legalism goes out the window where we're not legalists if you read one verse that day and that's what the lord wants to give you then that's fine you don't need to you know we want to have a plan but at the same time we don't want to be so tied to the plan that we feel guilty if we don't follow through with the plan, because the plan is there to feed us. The plan isn't there for us to earn anything b- between God. It's just there to feed us. It's just there to help us grow and to love God more. And so if God's going to feed us with like a word of one verse that day, then great. You're, you're spiritually full that day. You don't need to feel guilty about not reading a certain amount. It's about growing to love God more. And so if you see that verse just jump out, what's been helpful to me lately is just sit and meditate on that. Okay, and then the last thing I want to talk about is um, discipline. And you can tell that I'm really focusing in on consistency because, I mean, I've been a Christian basically my whole life, and I've been incredibly inconsistent so many times in my Bible reading. And for like 10 years, I was like, yeah, I know I'm inconsistent, and I know I happen to be sinning more while I'm being inconsistent, but I'm not exactly convinced that there's a correlation between the two. Like, let's, let's test this out some more. And like after 10 years, I'm like, okay, when I'm inconsistent in reading the Bible and praying, I sin more and I get more angry with my family and the, I'm just convinced of it. And so uh, the last thing I want to talk about is discipline, right? So the, if you think about it, like there's no capable company out there or a successful person, or professional athlete, or a military unit. There's none out there that you can look at, like this person or organization or group is really good at what they do that aren't disciplined. It just doesn't exist. You know, there might be like a flash in the pan, like trying to think of like, I don't know, a singer or something like that who has a really famous hit single, and they're kind of here and then gone. But like everyone who's really successful, like if you think of like the, the greatest singers, like, they're really disciplined. They treat their voices like an instrument. They practice all the time. Their diet is tailored to, to what they need to eat to make their voice sound good. They're, they don't drink alcohol. They're drinking water all the time to stay hydrated. You know, they're disciplined. And that's just a singer, let alone someone who's running a company or, or whoever it is. And so we as Christians, if we want to grow as Christians, if we want to grow closer to God, if we want to be stronger Christians, the same for us we have to be 
disciplined. And so again, there's this tension, right? There's like, I'm not saying you've got to just be really regimented and wake up early. And, and if you don't do that, then God doesn't love you. And this is how you earn favor with God. I'm not saying that. But on the other hand, I'm not saying, ah, oh, just, you know, do whatever. Just kind of mosey on through your life and just whatever you feel like doing in the moment, that's the spirit leading you. I'm not saying that either. We have to find the balance where it's like, no, I, I, I want to do the things that are going to help me to spiritually grow. But I'm not doing those things to earn anything from God. God already loves me. You know, God, it's like a, it's like a son, like, like who is adopted into God's family. And God's like, I want you to be, uh, you know, do whatever you want to do in life. And the son's like, I want to be a bodybuilder. And he's like, okay, great. Well, you've got to eat this food and lift these weights to make your muscles grow. Like you're, the son's already adopted. He's already God's kid. He's not, God's not saying you need to be a bodybuilder in order to be in my family, he's just saying, what do you want to do? And the kid's like, I want to be a bodybuilder. So he's like, okay, well, if you want to do that, you got to wake up early. you got to work out. you got to eat the food. It's the same thing with our spiritual life. God's already adopted us. He's already given us eternal life. We're already there. It's done. It's over. It's, we're, we're, we're set in God's family. He, he's not going to let us go. And then God, if we're really saved, when God asks us the question, what do you want to do? If we're really saved, we all have the same answer. If we're really saved, we all say, I want to love you more. I want to be more like you. I want to be less like me and more like you. I want to take, like Jesus says, I want to take up my cross and I want to follow you. So God's like, okay, great. If you want to do that, what's one of the ways we can do that? Read the Bible and be disciplined. So it's not legalism. It's not, it's not us being really, really uh, good at being Christians and then looking at people who are struggling like, oh, I'm so much better than you. Because I read my Bible every day, and you don't. You're struggling with those sins, and I'm not anymore, and I'm so much better. That's, that is legalism. That's, that's wrong. That's sin, right? But at the same time, we don't want to say, yo, you know what? Because other people struggle, I hear this all the time. You know, it's like, well, you know, look at all these things that these, people, these Christians are struggling with. You know, I don't need to, to, to tell them that they, if they want to stop struggling with these things, I don't need to tell them they should be reading the Bible every day. That's just legalism. You know, like, look at how much they're struggling. I'm no better than them. So just, I'm just going to kind of let them just do what, they're, with, what they want to do. And it's like, that's, that's like spiritual malpractice. You know, that's like a, that's like a starving kid. And, you know, I, I'm really well fed. And I look at the starving kid and I'm like, oh, well, you know, I used to be starving too. And so I'm not going to tell you you need to eat food every day. You just kind of do whatever you want to do, right? No, we should say, no, look, if you, if you want to grow, if you want to be full, you've got to eat every day. You've got to read the word every day. Not to be a good person, not to be loved by God, not to be, you know, not that I'm better than you, but that's what we do to grow. We have to be disciplined. So um, a couple of books, um, one for men, one for women. If you're interested in that, if you want to think through What's it look like to be spiritually disciplined? I hadn't thought about this for, like I said, I've been a Christian basically my whole life. I found these books when I was, I'm 33 now. I found these books when I was 30. Uh, and so I read this when I was 30 after having been a Christian for my whole life. I was like, man, I've never even thought of this ever. And it was just very eye-opening. And it took, there, there can also be guilt that Satan wants to put on us for being disciplined, for reading all the time. Can, you know, Satan can try to put that guilt on you, like, oh, look, you're just being legalistic, and you're just, you're not hoping in Christ, you know, you're, 
you're hoping in yourself because you're doing all this stuff. We're reading the Bible and praying all the time. And, you know, he, ironically, we can feel guilty about that, which is, that's from the enemy. That's not from God. We read all these verses talking about, no, God wants us to be consistent and disciplined. So the, if you're interested in that, these books are helpful. Um, Disciplines of a Godly Man, Disciplines of a Godly Woman. Um, so Kent Hughes, he was a professor at Westminster, great guy. Uh, he wrote the one for the men, and then his wife wrote the one for the women. But it just kind of talks through, it's, it's like everything. It's not just Bible reading. It's like, what does it look like to be a Christian who is disciplined, and because of that discipline is growing? Growing in their faith in the Lord, growing in their love for the Lord, and that kind of stuff. So if you're interested, those are a couple of books, uh, or one book, depending on your gender, you could look at. So uh, just real quickly, here's the five things. Number one. Consistent Bible reading, reading, being consistent in our reading. Number two, scripture memorization, memorizing Bible passages. Number three, having a plan, a Bible reading plan. Number four, stop and look at those verses that jump out at you. And then number five, being disciplined and kind of in our whole spiritual life. Okay, so let's, let's pray and then uh, we'll break. Lord, we just thank you so much for, again, for giving us this time to think about what your word is and what it means to us and what we can do um, to spiritually grow. Lord, we are, by definition, spiritually starving people. We need you. We need your grace. And we just thank you so much that you feed us uh, with with the bread of life. Lord, and we just pray that you would help us just to ignore the lies of Satan that say that, you know, we're feeding on the bread of life. It's legalism. Or that if we're not doing it, then everything's going to be fine. Lord, let us ignore him and let us look to your word that says, Come and follow me, because in me is fullness of life. You say that to us, Lord. And so we pray that you would help us just to love and desire to read and to, to be filled with your word so that we can be more like Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We pray this in his name. Amen. All right. Thanks, everybody.